0: Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. All right, just after three on the Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN, Jason Fitz from Spain and Fitz is going to join us here in just a second, brought to you by Delaware Valley Acura Dealers for great deals on our Acura's award-winning lineup. Shop online at DelValAcuraDealers.com. Tomorrow night, we got Eagles and Giants right here on 97.3 ESPN with the winner essentially being in first place in the NFC East. Dallas at two and four. The winner tomorrow night would be two and five if you're the Giants. two, four, and one if you are Philadelphia. So let's ask Jason Fitz. You know, we are in an area, Jay Fitz, where people embrace the process and said, I don't want to make the playoffs. Let's be bad and get good players. I, I subscribe to that in the NBA in the NFL not so much so if you're an Eagles fan should you want to make the playoffs in this horrible NFC East
1: well look I'm frankly first and foremost I always want to make the playoffs I'll be real about that second I'm with you typically I don't want to tank for anybody because as I've said for years bad teams are normally bad because they draft poorly so why are they suddenly going to figure it out just because they have the top pick in the draft you know the one thing that I think makes the Eagles' case so difficult, though, is they're facing so many injuries, right? So, like, if you believe that this roster worried that everybody healthy would be in a much different situation, then maybe there's that mindset. But do we also believe that this roster can't get healthy and put it together in the playoffs? I mean, who knows at that point, right? Like, I still believe that Doug Peterson can coach. I still believe that Carson Wentz can play quarterback. So. I want to give myself a shot at any point because you never know when a wild card could go on a run. So I, I'm just not willing to mail out in a season, especially in 2020 when, you know, you, you have no idea also in the playoffs what the other team's going to look like every week because of COVID-19.
0: That's a great point is uh, by the time we get to January, who knows where this world will be. Uh, So just try to roll the dice and get in. We saw the Cowboys dumpster fire on your network ESPN the other night on uh, Monday Night Football, and now the players just coming out. The coaching staff totally unprepared. They don't teach. They aren't good at their jobs. They don't have any sense of adjusting on the fly. Is the Cowboys dumpster fire real?
1: Oh, yeah. Their season's done. And and I'll tell you, like th- that doesn't come based on anything on the talent side of it. That comes based on those comments you just mentioned. And a buddy of mine that was a writer for years said years ago, you know when the locker room is in themselves mode. And I think that's real. In my experience, when athletes start throwing coaches under the bus, and coaches start throwing athletes under the bus, what you're really seeing there is somebody saying, hey, keep giving me my checks. It's not my fault that this has gone awry. And that is a very, very, very uh, difficult tonal moment to put back in the bottle. Like, I don't think you can walk that back. So the fact that Cowboys players are already in protect themselves mode, throw coaches under the bus mode, the fact that Jerry Jones has come out and said, hey, I think we have talent on defense. They just need to be coached better. Like, I don't think that that toothpaste can go back into the bottle, and that's why I'm out on the Cowboys for the rest of the year because that level of this is going to lead to a lot of backbiting.
2: Well, not to get too long-term here, but you just hired this guy, Mike McCarthy. Like, what do you do if you are the Cowboys? Are you stuck with this? Do you scrap it already, and then you go in a new direction? I mean, th- these are some pretty powerful words to hear coming out of the locker room this
1: early in the first year. Yeah, and that's a great question. Any uh, 99% of the time, I don't think you know who a coach is in one year. But Mike McCarthy's had his shot in the past. I questioned the hire to begin with, and now all we see is Mike McCarthy still seems to not know how to get the most out of his guys. I mean, like, I don't want to oversimplify here, guys, but especially because part of the head coaching interview is, A, what are you going to do with our quarterback? And then, B, what staff are you going to build and why are they good for our roster? Like, that's a big part of what coaches are interviewed on. So even if you believe that this isn't a Mike McCarthy issue and it's a coordinator issue, those are all coaches that Mike McCarthy fought for at some point. So, you know, that in and of itself is a huge part of why a guy gets a job, and it's a huge part of how you judge the first year of a coaching staff. So when you're starting to talk about change already, possibly for, for even for assistant coaches, that's at the feet of McCarthy. It's going to be difficult because the Cowboys, in my mind, can end up going 3-13 and 13 or 4-12, and 12, which won't put them high enough to get a replacement for Dak in the draft, but it will put them high enough that they're going to have to answer real questions about McCarthy. I think he's shown the door. Now,
0: where do you stand? Because I'm anti, you know, these people who think that you need to change the playoff uh, structure if a NFC East team is really bad I mean it goes in cycles we've seen losing records win yes this division is really bad but are you for changing the playoffs for teams like this that win the division and don't belong in
1: no and because where do we draw the line right like I mean we could reseed everybody and start to give uh, new playoff seedings when we start based on record, but then you're going to have a really, really prominent conversation in the next couple of years about strength of schedule, and I don't think the NFL wants to open that door. I mean, what do we do if there's a 10 and 6 division winner, you know? But there's an 11 and 5 wild card, but that 11 and 5 wild card is like the Patriots feasting on a bad East every single year during you know Belichick and Brady's heyday. So how are they going to judge those things together? Like that's the can of worms you open. The NFL has a very simple clear-cut system and if once every decade it means that a really bad team gets home field advantage that they shouldn't i'm i'm all in for that because it, it that's once in a, a blue moon as opposed to constant feeding conversations that will become about who played a tougher schedule i don't think the nfl wants that
0: jason fitz spain and fitz seven to nine on 97.3 espn your take on tua getting inserted as the starting quarterback for that Dolphins team, which all of a sudden is not only in the wild card mix, they're in the division mix. And that's
1: why I I can't make it make sense, guys. I mean, I I get that two is going to be spectacular. I believe that. I believe he's going to be a great quarterback, and I'm excited to watch the kid play. But that being said, the Dolphins spent more money on their secondary than any other team this offseason. They've spent the second most uh, on the defensive side of the ball of anybody this offseason. They were spending money to rebuild this team to be competitive right now, which guess what? They happen to be, and Fitzpatrick is playing well. So I don't understand the move when you have momentum, which, by the way, I think is the toughest thing to get in 2020 and the easiest thing to lose. When you've got it and you're in the playoff conversation, we don't know if the Patriots are any good. Frankly, we don't know if the Bills after 4-0, and but now they've lost to the two actually good teams they've played. Are the Bills for real or a house of cards? Like Why Miami would make this decision when they're in the thick of the playoff hunt and one rookie moment, one game where Tua just sort of has that rookie step back could be the reason – that Miami misses the playoffs. I just wouldn't take that risk when Fitzpatrick's playing that well.
2: I agree completely. It definitely shocked me when I saw the news. But now that we're talking around the league here, we have a segment called Who's In, Who's Out, where we look at, you know, the division leaders. And I put, for the first time this week, in the AFC North, the Pittsburgh Steelers over the Ravens. Do you think that that's possible? How do you
1: view this Pittsburgh team compared to the Ravens? So the funny thing is I picked the Steelers to go to the playoffs this year. I thought they'd be spectacular. I also thought that Baltimore would keep being Baltimore. And there has been a little bit of a regression, and I use that word carefully around Lamar Jackson because he's such a great player. Nobody's going to take anything away. But things haven't looked as easy for the offense this year for Baltimore as we expected. And things have looked easy for the Steelers. And you could argue that they haven't played a bunch of great teams. But, frankly, guys, uh, let's loop it in with last year. We saw the Steelers, if there had been seven teams in the playoffs last year like there is in each conference, This year, the Steelers would have gone to the playoffs with Duck Hodges. You know, I mean, think about that. So now they get Ben back, and uh, we had to know that was going to make a difference. That's why I thought the Steelers would, frankly, be a playoff team. But I'm with you. I think the Steelers have every shot at winning the North right now because they are just playing so clean. And I I believe that they're going to go in and just absolutely dismantle the Titans on Sunday. And then the hype is going to go to a different level.
0: That's uh big stuff there. You'll hear that game here on 97.3 ESPN. The Steelers and the Titans coverage begins at twelve thirty. Uh and level of interest in the World Series.
1: You know, it's it's that's such a tough question. I think I had a ton of interest in last night. You know, let's see how it, it goes through the course of the the process. I mean, there's so many games going on in so many sports right now, it's a little hard, but we got sort of a dream matchup, and so much was on the line for Clayton Kershaw. I think that that gave us that moment. And then you have Mookie Betts being Mookie Betts, and everybody sort of uh, can fall in love with it. You can fall in love with the way the Dodgers have suffered so much to try and get to this point, their process, or you can fall in love with sort of the Rays and the way the analytics analytics have driven their roster construction. Like, there are so many great stories, but at the end of the day, is that going to cut through, you know, a huge college football weekend where the Big Ten's back in action? I, I I don't know. I mean, I think right now we begged for sports to come back. And now we've got so much of it that I think there's a little bit of fatigue from some people. And then on top of that, there's a little bit of, OK, where am I going to put my interest also in a year where we, we'd be just ignorant to not acknowledge that politics has such a focus from so many people? So, you know, I, I feel like my level of interest is high for this World Series because I'm rooting for the Dodgers fan base to finally get what they want. But at the same time, I don't know that there's a ton of national interest like there could be.
2: Yeah, I'm definitely all in on this more than I ever have before, and I think it's because the Sixers aren't involved and the Flyers aren't involved. So you know, more of my focus is game by game and and what's (laughs) happening. But you know, there are a lot of baseball fans, and and I saw this specifically last night that were you know bragging and boasting about how the Game Seven ratings were way better than the NBA Finals, and and I just think I'm not trying to downplay that. I think it's good that the numbers were up in those Game Seven moments for baseball, a sport that we all claim is dying, but to compare it to when the NBA is at its absolute worst, I feel like that has to be part of this equation as well.
1: Yeah, and, and look, I mean, for all of the conversation about the NBA, you know, A, I will say this. Uh, you know, at some point, the Lakers, the Heat, I thought it was a great matchup. I was stoked for it. But people aren't used to watching the NBA Finals this late in the year, and I do believe that habits play into viewing. So while the, the Major League Baseball season has been strange – It's still giving you a World Series that's close to when we're used to getting those things, right? We're still talking about October baseball. We've never had to sit there and talk about October NBA Finals. So I think there's a little bit of habit viewing. And then, frankly, as everybody got into the football season, I mean, I I do believe that there's less eyeballs. So people are making a big deal about it. I I don't know if it's really that big a deal. I do know this. The NBA digital numbers and streaming numbers have been fantastic. I don't think the league's worried about anything and everybody's trying to turn this into one sport versus the other when, frankly, as inundated as we are right now, we should just be thankful we're getting anything. I don't think there's a long-term problem for the NBA. I don't think there's a long-term win for Major League Baseball. I just think that this is one of those years.
0: All right, so you got 1-4-1 Philly against 1-5 and Giants. It's a important game in the East. So if you're here, are you watching the football game or are you going presidential debate tomorrow night?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, that presidential debate taking place in Nashville, actually, so you would think that I'd be all in on that. No, I'm watching Thursday night football. <laughs> Look, what, what's, what's, what's worse than bad football? The only thing worse than bad football is bad politics. Just watching, you know, two idiots go at it, that's not my thing. So I'd rather watch 106, quick math, 53 times, two idiots go at it on a football field. So, you know, I'll go all in on, on Patriots, uh, Gi- or Patriots, on Eagles, Giants. It's a big game, you know. One of those teams is suddenly going to find themselves in the thick of all of it, which is disgusting to say, but at least, you know, Football has a winner and loser
0: at the end of the day, and I don't feel dirty. Unless you're the Eagles and you get a tie. If they get another tie, that could help them. They would be <laughs> one, four, and two. Jason Fitz. Never mind. That's
1: what I'm rooting for now. Give me a tie in the NFL. Oh, yes, I'll take it all day long. When Perfect. they
0: went for two against the Ravens last week at 30-28, to 28. I said it's so apropos in 2020 for the Eagles to get the two-point conversion and have the second – has a team tied twice in a season? I don't remember that happening, and that, what I, that was like so – uh, bound to happen, but it doesn't, and they fall short against the Ravens, but tomorrow night, you can hear the game right here. He's Jason Fitz. Spain and Fitz airs 7-9 on 97.3 ESPN. Thanks, Jay. You guys are the best. Have a great week. All right. We will uh, talk to him next week right here on the Sports Bass Live. As he said, you know, you got that Eagles tomorrow night. Now, that kickoff, by the time the debate starts at 9 o'clock, maybe that game will be uh, at hand. Maybe they'll, somebody will be in uh, control of that game. What do you mean, somebody?
2: You're leaving it up for the possibility
0: hey, I, that it's the Giants? Giants and Eagles. Oh, well, the Eagles have kind of dominated the Giants in recent years, even when the Giants were quote-unquote good. Even in their Super Bowl years, the, the Eagles have kind of had the Giants number. When, when does that change? I hope not Thursday.
2: Darius Slayton, Shepard. I wonder what they're going to do on that outside cornerback opposite of Slay, though. Now that Avante Maddox is back, are they going to throw him back in that role? Do they put him in the slot? Do they keep Roby Coleman? Do they use Will Parks on that outside I think spot? you're going
0: to see a lot more of Will Parks this week. Yep. I think you're going to see a lot more of Will Parks in the defense this week. And do they use Maddox in the slot or Roby Coleman or LeBlanc? do you keep bills does he start is he kind of like the whatever i don't know that's an interesting thing we'll talk to jeff mosher about that football at four in 45 minutes there's never an off season for the nfl it's football's number one sports radio talk show the sports bash with mike gill on 97.3 espnfm john clayton in 10 minutes stick around for that always great to catch up with the professor john clayton right here on the Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN. A couple headlines we'll dive into that we want to kind of mix it up on before we get to the professor.
2: Absolutely. I do want to start with this baseball game. What's your takeaway from game one? Kershaw? Did he silence anyone or does he need to do it again? I heard an interesting hypothetical.
0: No, I think that... Go ahead.
2: Let's say they sweep, right? Kershaw gets one performance in the World Series. Is that enough for people to be quiet on Kershaw or is it like we need to see this again?
0: It's a good question. Um I mean, he struck out 8 over what? 6 last night. Yep, slider was unreal. The best game. Yeah, his career postseason ERA was 540 in the World Series and 431 in the postseason.
2: But if you take away, people have been, taking away the Astros series, it significantly drops by like two runs almost. For whatever that's worth. You can value it. You don't want to value it. That's fine. I just saw people tweeting about it. It goes from like 3-5 in the World Series instead of 5-plus. I
0: think it would be helpful if he got another start. Yeah, I agree with you. You know how people are out there. My takeaway was, look, there's a reason the Dodgers have been the best team regular season-wise for about three or four years now. They're very deep. They're very good. There's Look, the Rays should not even be in this conversation with the Yankees and the Dodgers. Payroll-wise, they're not even on the same stratosphere. The Dodgers are a more talented team. You know, my buddy texted me last night. He's like, who the hell are these guys on the Rays? Like, he lives in L.A. If you've never seen a Rays game, it's not like, oh, I've heard of that young guy. He's a hot prop. They have nothing. They have not one player on that team that anyone's heard of. Joey Wendell. Right. Joey Wendell. <laughs> not Mr. Wendell. Meyer. Come on. He hit a he hit a bomb. You got a piece of that one. Everybody hits a bomb. Every, the sun shines on the dog's ass every once in a while. He hit a bomb. Every player in baseball, that's all they do is hit bombs. <laughs> it's I'm beautiful. not impressed. Like, come on. There's not one guy on this team. Like, if you're doing a fantasy league, what Ray are you drafting? Randy. He's tearing it up right now. He wasn't even on the team at the when you had a fantasy draft. He wasn't even on the (laughs) team. He was in the. No, you're right, but I I feel you might not be giving the Rays enough credit because they are a good team. I am giving them plenty of credit, but you're asking me. My takeaway is the Dodgers are significantly deeper and more talented than the Rays are. Yes. Like if you were drafting players, you're drafting like seven to eight to nine Dodgers before you get to a Ray. Oh, there's no doubt about it.
2: But so, there's something about this Rays team where they, they're they just a sure. good team Look, together. I'm a Raysman.
0: I like and appreciate <laughs> the Rays, but I'm not going to say that they're on the same level as the Dodgers. The I don't know if th- any team in the MLB is on the same level as the Dodgers. No, the Dodgers are, by the way, the Yankees are significantly better than the Rays. The Rays just outmanaged them, out-played them. I don't know, though. and I mean, the regular season, you had the Rays up them on the seven Yankees games. The Yankees had so. a lot of injury problems, That's though. That's true. That's very true. They did. Pitching. The Rays... Just do it differently. They just do it differently. That's it. They're not. If the Phillies, like, if you're having a draft, what guy on the Rays are you drafting before Harper, Real Muto? And we're not talking pitchers. Well, no, you could throw pitchers in the mix. I mean, okay, you might say I'd take Snell, Morton. Yeah, those two. Even Glassnell didn't have a great year. No, he's not on the same level as the Snell and Morton. No, and you would probably take Nola over Glassnell. You might take Wheeler over Glassnell. Yep, I probably would, yes. Yeah, I mean, I think you would go with all those guys before you get to glass now who just all of a sudden come out of nowhere to, you know, have a pretty good postseason performance. But, like, even the Phillies-wise, though, which guy? Like, you're taking Real Muto over Zanino every day of the week. That's not even close. No. Um, You're certainly taking Bryce Harper over everybody they have. Now hindsight now, like watching their season play, but I'm talking about back when the season started. If you were saying, hey, who am I taking? Um Gene Segura at third or Joey Wendell? Joey Wendell defensively. Right? I mean, are you taking... Uh, D.D. or, let I me... Mean, yeah, I'm the, taking... Yeah, I'm probably taking D.D. At the beginning of the year. Yeah. Right? You've never heard of any of
2: these guys. I mean, even now, if you plug D.D. at shortstop on this team, they're... I, I mean, could you say that they're better? I don't know. I mean...
0: Who, the Rays? Oh, wow, that yeah. kid's tremendous. I,
2: I know he is, but
0: D.D.'s solid as hell as well. No, you know I what I mean? He, they wouldn't... It wouldn't be a huge... Like, he's just a... The, the, uh, what the heck's the guy's name? Uh, Willie, um... Um... Adamase. He, he's... Tremendous defensively. Dee not the same defensive player. Him and you know, but what did he? What's I mean, he's a two fifty. Yeah, 60 they're all hitter. they're all in that range. Yeah, they all just put the ball in play. They don't strike out all that much. Well, they're, they hit
2: some homers. I mean, you you heard it on the broadcast yesterday talking about their home runs and how you know they've been going quiet offensively a little bit. And ironically enough, I know the Bellinger home run was crazy as long as well as the Mookie one, but that fifth inning. A lot of small ball, a lot of single walk, single, single stealing bases. It was like weird watching the Dodgers do something other than just crush home runs. What's what's going on
0: here? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the Rays and the Dodgers, it's not, they're not close. No, it's not, but I still think this series goes I do. I, for whatever reason, I, I can't explain it, but I don't think because the rosters are the disparity in the, in the, uh, talent is so great, I still think that the Rays can kind of grit their gr- way into this, keep themselves around. Well, let's compare this to last year, because the Nationals,
2: how did you view the Nationals in that series? They're not this team that had this overwhelming amount of, like, insane... Better guys well, though, though the Juan Sotos. They had pitching. And, shoot, but that's what the Rays had. Have. Have tr- but it's the bullpen that's uh, tremendous. But, I mean, they have
0: Rendon. They, they had, had better...
2: St- I, I get it. Individually, they did have better guys, but they were viewed... They, they were horrendous Throughout the regular season, and then they went on that hot streak. Like they were not viewed as this team that had as much firepower as what the Astros had.
0: Mm, The pitching's a big difference. Their pitchers are, their top end pitchers are better than the Rays' top end pitchers.
2: Correct, but the difference is the way the Rays have their bullpen set up is it makes up for their lack of not having a Scherzer Scherzer or something of that nature.
0: Yeah, true, but I and and they're. But their position players are much more, have b- much better track records and resumes. That's true. When Rendon. Looking at Rendon, Turner, Soto. Soto. I mean, not that Soto's a young kid. He's better than everybody on the Rays. Oh, yeah. I mean. Yeah. So, just those core three or Act, four but, guys. You know
2: what's funny? The, the guy that everyone
0: talks about during that run, though, was Howie Kendricks, of all people. They had, but they but And that's another thing, though. They had solid veteran, you know, kind of like utility guys. And look these Rays, maybe they keep this core group of guys together for the next three, four years. The problem is if they can't afford to keep these guys. Once they get good, a Rosa reina is going to get scooped up by the Dodgers or the Yankees. That's the problem. I thought they had a chance in that seventh inning, though, when Gonzalez
2: was on the bump. You had Zanino hit a line drive right back to him and doubled him up at second base. And whether it was... The difference in, you know, making a real run or not, the fact that they could have scored some runs to make a statement, we're not done yet, I feel that could have went a long I way. I
0: just hope everybody live bet when I did yesterday, live on the air, when I took Mookie bets at plus 1,500 to win the MVP. He hits a bomb, then he steals second, then he steals third to make it. Th- it was just a havoc on the base pass. John Clayton coming up. This is the radio.
3: 33
0: past the hour sports pass brought to you by GMS law. Make the right call with four convenient locations to serve you online. GMS law.com. I'm Mike Gill at Mike Gill show on Twitter. Give me a follow there. He's at Broads 81 John Clayton, the Washington Post, the haves and have nots are starting to form. It's historically bad in the NSC East. It's real bad across the league. As I think uh, John's article says, eleven teams have either one or no wins on the season. And John, have you st- remember a league where the the haves and have nots the gap has been so big like we're seeing in twenty twenty?
3: I can't imagine it this bad. I mean, this is a, the worst that uh, I've I've seen because I mean, what to have to go off memory right now? But what the records of the the worst teams is like a fifteen thirty four and two. And it's like, uh, what are we talking about here? And 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 you can see it week in and week out how it's affecting. Like you know, you look for the the NFC East right now, two fifteen and one, worst we've ever seen. And now the chances are that you know whoever wins this division, whether it's going to be Dallas or Philadelphia, you know, might be able to win it with six, and it might actually be less. You know, they can be with eleven losses or so and win a division like this. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. But then you look, for example, okay, here's the Rams. Rams are four and two. You're thinking, hmm, they're four and one going into the San Francisco game, looking pretty good. But they won the NFC East by winning the four games against the NFC East. Their defense ranked sixth or seventh in the league. And then, you know, the one game that they played that was a non division game was Buffalo. They were down twenty three to three in that game and had to fight to come back and almost did. And then of course they get pretty d- dominated by san francisco so it's like how good are they and so there's so many bad teams right now that all they're going to do is feed the teams and we've seen this and again, again being uh a dick Vermeil uh fan and having him educate me through the years he was always big on the idea that uh you know you can go 500 against winning teams just don't play a lot of them like for example if you go three and three against teams with winning records and go 10 and 0 against the losing teams which they you think you should then you you have a great chance to be a number one seed and go to the super bowl and that more than anything else is i think dictating things because you you remember the super bowl year that uh you know dick had down in st louis they had i think a 363 uh schedule which was one of the easiest in nfl history and so uh you know schedule means everything and right now more so this year than any other.
0: Okay, so you mentioned the schedule, you're out in Seattle, you know that NFC West is very difficult. The AFC North with Pittsburgh, Baltimore and Cleveland is also a very good one. So are the NFC East just a victim of a bad schedule or are they bad
3: football teams? I'd say bad football teams right now. And again, you know, the the ta- well let's put it was but just like there's two teams that we all thought would have a chance to do well. And for whatever reason, uh, in both cases, you know Dallas and Philadelphia have been bludgeoned by injuries, and that clearly has to affect them. I mean, and now you've seen in Dallas the same thing that you've been watching with the Eagles the last couple weeks. You know, they finished up the game down four offensive line starters uh, in the game last week, and so that's weakened them. And of course, they've had injuries on defense two linebackers that have been out. I mean, you know, it's Dallas, Philadelphia, San Francisco that have really had the worst of the injuries. But, of course, now I don't think I've seen a unit on offense as obliterated as what we're going to see tomorrow night when the Eagles go on the field against the Giants. I mean, who's left? I mean, the top three receivers, we'll see about Rieger being able to play, the top two tight ends, the starting running back, four offensive, three offensive line starters, and then, of course, Jason Peters, who, of course, was going to be a starter to fill in
0: all out it's incredible yeah Sean Jackson is going to play it looks like tomorrow no Alshon Jeffrey you mentioned Rieger no Goddard no Ertz so it is going to be crazy uh let, let me ask you about okay these teams have been bludgeoned by injuries so we've seen Dallas defensively is Dallas as bad as they look do we should we buy in if you're Eagles fans listen up should you buy in that this Dallas team is bad for the long haul this year Looks
3: like it because, uh, and now you're starting to hear the players talk to uh, different uh, people from the media, particularly at the NFL Network, and leaking out anonymously. They think it's all in the coaching. Now, what we're seeing on defense, and I think you have to put something on Mike Nolan for this. You know, he comes in, and you've watched Dallas. I mean. They're a pure kind of like uh, the Eagles, a, p- a pure four-three team. You know, they've been drafting that way. That's what they want to do when they sign free agents. They want a four-three defense, and that's been their talent base. But Nolan comes in and he tries to change to a hybrid three-four-four-three. OK, he puts in more complications because one of the great advantages of a 4-3 defense and Jim Schwartz is excellent in this. Pete Carroll's excellent is you make it simple. You don't make it to the point where you have to constantly think, think, think. I mean, you want to react, react, react and get to better plays. All right. So now here he puts in all these thinking parts. The communication has been a mess. The talent base has been a mess. They've got the worst defensive tackle situation for whatever reason that uh, is in the league right now. And they're just generally bad. And so something has to give. Now, clearly, you know, it's not going to be the firing of Mike McCarthy, who I like a lot. I mean, he's got a four-year, $47.5 million contract based on my sources. And so at $9.5 million a year, he's not getting fired. But something has to be done with that defense because, you know, again, this is a team that started the season with 15 players who had been to the Pro Bowl. They are right now awful. Yeah, no doubt about
2: it. And, and I was thinking, could they move on from the head coach? Is that crazy? And and I, I would think that it would be very quick to pull the trigger on him after hearing the rumors. But to tie this back to Philadelphia, when you think about Doug Peterson – It seems like over the last handful of years, they were really down, their backs were against the wall, and then they rally, and it seems like you're know you seeing a situation where the Dallas Cowboys internally are becoming a mess, while Doug Peterson does stress me out at times with certain play calls and things of that nature on the field. There is something to be said about how good he is when things are tough inside a locker room. Those guys will not quit on him.
3: Yeah, and I think that's the advantage that he has being an ex-player because I think he knows you know what the feel of that is and how to adjust to it. Plus, he's a very good coach. That's the one thing that I think you know doesn't think Mike McCarthy is a very good coach, but I think you know Doug is prepared to do that, and that's why, for example, I never ever bought in to the. Constant criticism of uh, Carson Wentz because, I mean, you watched it last year. He had nothing at the wide receiver position, and yet he was still able to make the shorter throws, do the right things, and get the team into the playoffs. And now this year, certainly he's affected by the offensive line injuries, eight sacks in the first game. And I think you can see that, uh, you know, not that he has happy feet, but he has, you know, he does have to adjust now to the hits that he's taken. And of course, who's he throwing to? I mean, you know, I I never thought that Alshon Jeffrey was going to step on the field and play. Uh, We'll see if he does this year because he's been so injured and looked so slow last year. So I still wonder about that. You know, it's good that Jackson's coming back because they need his speed, but they need something to happen positive because, you know, can you go with the Greg Wards and the unknown guys and think that you're going to be able to be as successful as they should be?
0: John Clayton, uh, you mentioned the haves and have-nots, but you think Dallas could benefit from the haves and have-nots.
3: Well, here's why. Because, and, and I, I listen put it this way, this was written before the game on Monday night. And so it's like, uh, you know, I didn't think they were going to be as bad as they were, but they were. But what I'm looking at is that, okay, I still think Andy Dalton has something left And, you know, again, with the four offensive linemen done and the blitzing that was done by Vance Joseph of the Arizona Cardinals, they just got caught up like you've seen the Eagles get caught up with the problems there. And he he had to throw 57 passes and he had to drop back 60 times to throw. And so, you know, he's going to get sacked three times. And uh, I still think that with the haves and have not schedules, particularly in the division, because the question is going to be there's only two teams that have a chance to win these division games. It's Dallas and Philadelphia. OK, so now if uh, you know, Dallas can split against Philadelphia, win the two games against the Washington football team and also the Giants, which they've already won the road game against them and be five and one you know, in the division, then they have a chance to win six games. I mean, the Eagles have the same opportunity to do the same thing, but the killer was that loss to a bad or the tie with the Cincinnati Bengals, because that should have been a win. And so now that puts them a little bit behind Dallas. But it's a two-way race. The problem is the the race is with, you know, we're not going with sports cars. We're kind of going (laughs) with maybe
0: bikes. (laughs) John Clayton, the Washington Post. He's got a a great story up on the haves and have-nots right now. And one of the interesting things you bring up is – you know, Tampa Bay and Seattle, both those teams, I think people think are pretty good teams, but they're also the benefit of playing the schedule that could really put them in another stratosphere
3: record wise. Yeah. And again, this happens, you know, in, in so many years, if you have the easy schedule, like for example, if you look at this entire Seattle schedule, it's four Oh four based on the records this year, that's the easiest in football. Now, again, the tough part for them, they're in, one of the toughest divisions because the AFC, AFC North and the NFC West are the two best divisions in football, but the key is, and they'll find out over the next five weeks that with four games in the division if they have a chance to go four and two because they're already 5-0 and zero in non-division games, and their non-division games for the most part get easier because the only tough ones you look down the stretch would be going to Buffalo in a couple weeks and then if Philadelphia's going to be good or not because you know the Redskins the Washington football team, excuse me, the New York Giants and the New York jets those are winnable games and so they have the chance to go eight and two and nine to one in non-division games and if you go four and two in a division they're 13 and two campus schedule isn't as easy but it's still one of the three or four with remaining games one of the easiest in football so they can take advantage of that so again that's where the haves and that's where it's going to take the stakes of the playoffs except in the nfc east so high i mean it wouldn't surprise me that you can have an 11 win season in the NFC, because I know I went on 5:38 and saw that uh, they had three teams in the NFC going 12 and 4, that you can win 11 games and not make the playoffs.
2: Speaking of easy schedules, how about the Cleveland Browns? Because when you think about it, Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh, they're going to be battling out for the top spot. Can Cleveland still make the postseason?
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because of the easy schedule. Now, you can see that they're not to the standards of Pittsburgh or Baltimore because they got blown out in both of those games. But you're sitting there with a 4-2 and two record, and, you know, their closing schedule is pretty easy. And really, when you start the season, this is based on last year's records that, uh, you know, the, a- and the AFC North had one of the easiest schedules in football. <clears throat> and so, you know, they get the benefit of playing AFC East teams with the exception of Baltimore and possibly New England. You know, those those are winnable games. And so, that helps them out and they still have, you know, the games against the Cincinnati Bengals and that helps them out. So, I think right now they have a great chance to win ten games and be the third, uh, be a maybe a, the wild card along with the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, because again their schedule isn't that tough either. And again, so Cleveland benefits from the schedule and the fact that without Nick Chubb, they still have five players on offense that went to the Pro Bowl, have been to the Pro Bowl, and four on defense. They still have talent, and they're still reasonably healthy.
0: Uh, the NFC East on display tomorrow night, right here on 97.3 ESPN, the Eagles and the Giants. I mean, do you give the Giants or Washington a, any puncher's chance in this division, or do you still think it's mainly a two-team race?
3: I think it's a two-team race, you know, because all, all you see from Daniel Jones is the turnovers. You're seeing the turnovers from Carson Wentz because of, you know, all the injuries and all the problems there and not being able to set up and, you know, do the passing that he has done in the past. So I think it's a two-way race right now, but again, any one of these teams i mean right now it's the the because again if the stakes are only going to be 4 to 6 wins then anything can yeah. happen and really what it comes down to is you know who wins the division games i mean it took dallas you know, a 3 point win and giving up 27 points against a giant team that doesn't that's one of the lowest scoring teams in football to win that one because uh, they gave up with 27 points and a 30 27 win and so now i mean really this The division games are going to dictate where it's going to be. So whoever has the best team in the division probably is going to win the division.
0: That's true. I think if Philly wins out the division uh, and gets them to six wins, six, nine, and one, might just be good enough. And then, of course, John, you're going to hear people saying they got to redo uh, the playoffs, no. that the division winners shouldn't get that automatic berth.
3: No, and I think, I mean, see if you appreciate this because, again, you know, Being in in South Jersey, I mean, you're, you're, you're pretty well in the NFC East. And so it's like if you change that format, right, you take away the power of division games, right? And the, here's the power of division games. And we all agree that this is the worst division in NFL history. And there may ever, never be one that's going to be as bad as this. But what happened when the Dallas Cowboys played the New York Giants? It was one of the highest rated uh, football games in the last five years. Think about that. Yeah. Oh, over if 21 million people watched that game, and they're bad teams. And so the power of the division games, and is never more apparent in the NFC East because that's the most watched division in football, good, bad, or indifferent. And so here you have, you know, what five wins total in this division, only because three of them have been in division games. And you know what you're seeing is that that was the second highest rated game this year, and over 21 million people watched it.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. The NFC East has uh, the biggest markets, New York, Philly, uh, Dallas, Washington. They do not want to lose one of those teams getting in uh, for the the viewership. Uh, John Clayton, the Washington Post. Check out the full article uh, about the haves and the haves-nots. There's some other teams that he mentions in there as well. And, of course, he, like all guests appeared via the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. Thank you so much, John. Okay, thanks. All right, always great to catch up with John. Such great insight. But you think about that, too. From a business perspective, there's no way the NFL wants Philly, New York, Washington, or Dallas's market out of the playoffs.
2: Right, and for who to be in there. You know what I mean? Like some of these other markets, it doesn't even compare. That's right.
0: Yeah, because you're like, we talk about the ratings in the NBA and the problems that they had, look, it was an, a, a multi-layered problem that the NBA had, out-of-season playing games up against the NFL, playing games against Major League Baseball's playoffs, playing games in the month of October, your biggest games of the year. But keep this in mind, too. The whole season has ratings problems. This was happening before everything that happened with COVID. And I had mentioned this before. I mentioned this last year with LeBron. When you put LeBron James out west, you lost your biggest East Coast draw your best players and your best teams are playing games at 10:30 at night on the east coast that's a recipe for ratings failure for the league the league should not have wanted lebron james to go to the lakers they need lebron james on the east coast so when they had those double header TNT games on thursday night which the ratings suffered because there was no east coast draw to put in those games another big problem The New York market has been out of basketball since the Knicks basically have been horrible since, what, 1995? Do you think that changes with Kevin Durant and Kyrie being in Brooklyn? You know, I was listening to a podcast about this the other night. Our buddy John Aran from the Sports Business Journal, he was asked that very question. Can Brooklyn kind of take the New York market and put them on their back? He kind of insinuated it would be like the Clippers. Like, you're getting a decent rating, but it's not like the Knicks. You're getting the stepchild. Yeah, I can
2: see that, no doubt. It's hard to draw something like
0: the Knicks. Even if you're still in New York, it's not the same. No, and another thing is the Chicago market has not been relevant in NBA circles for a long time. Think about the relevant NBA markets right now, all right? When you pull up the Eastern Conference playoff bracket and you're thinking to yourself, all right, where are we getting ratings from? Well, Boston. Boston, but they're not a great national draw because they don't have a big star. You don't think people fall in love with the Tatum aspect side of things? I mean, Tatum's not a national draw.
2: You don't think so? No,
0: not at all. Not at all. He's not LeBron. I mean, that's the guy we're talking about. Oh, okay. They They have no no player on that level. No. Like, if LeBron James played for Boston, sure. If you put Kevin Durant on Boston, then they're a big draw. Tatum's a great player, but he's not a national draw. I think people not changing the the ratings. I think people tune in to watch Jason Tatum play basketball. Not the casual fan, the hardcore fan. Sure. I'm talking about to really drive ratings. You need a superstar.
2: Well, I need to know what type of like, where's the casual. I need to know like a line between casual and the person who's tuning in anyway.
0: Like, I I don't know where that is, where that line is. Uh, most people listening out in our audience right now are probably more casual. They're not just watching the Boston Celtics play. Look, Milwaukee, very small market. Toronto, not even an American market. They don't register. Indiana, very small market. Miami, just not a great sports market. They just don't rate very well. Brooklyn, eh. It's bigger market, but they're Brooklyn. They're not New York. Orlando very small market. So of the eight playoff teams in the East, you got one, two, three, four markets that are really small. The only markets in the East that are decent are Philly and Boston. Well, let me ask you
2: this though. How many of these players of LeBron status moves the needle in general for people to get that superstar level? It's like LeBron, Kawhi, KD.
0: I'm not even sure Kawhi does it.
2: Right. So my point is if there's only two people in the league that we can really have this conversation about, well, then the league is screwed to begin with. From well, the they
0: had, well, they had no ratings problem because you had LeBron playing in the East for how many years? It's hard for me to think that's the only reason. Look at
2: it's, the ratings. Well, I know, but that's where we talk about how many <laughs> pretty,
0: other things happened than LeBron moving It's out happened West. for two years, though. Last year, the NBA ratings started to dip, and I said, well, LeBron James went out West. And the Lakers weren't very good. That was another problem. So LeBron going out West, the NBA lost their biggest East Coast draw. The ratings for LeBron when Cleveland played on TNT were gigantic. You take him off that TNT game when Cleveland plays and you're putting in, you're substituting Milwaukee. Milwaukee's a great team. Yeah, but does Giannis, do people want
2: to watch to see Giannis play? I don't, he got LeBron. Because what I'm coming, so what I'm What I'm getting at here out of this whole the conversation The went through
0: the same problem Le, with Jordan. LeBron is, had Jordan.
2: That, is that, I mean, it changes everything with the NBA. It's just LeBron. Yeah, There's no one else is, that that's moves That's what the, the NBA needle. has
0: been. When Jordan left, they had a ratings problem. And then, they, you know, and look, look Jordan played in the, the East with the Bulls. And they had him to put on national TV all the time in the primetime spot. Then that kind of got filled by. LeBron coming in, and he's been in the East his entire career. The ratings didn't just start going down this year. They started to go down last year, and a lot of that was you had no LeBron James to play at 8 o'clock on the East Coast. You're watching the game at 10.30 at night. You're not getting good ratings at 10.30 at night. It's just not happening. Oh, I'm, I'm agreeing with you that that plays a role, but I, I just
2: think when we talk about it, if there's really nobody else that moves the needle like him, then I don't really well, know what the recipe is. Well, you had a
0: great Warriors team, and that that's was, a West Coast squad. Exactly, but you had LeBron— going into Warriors games. So you had Cleveland playing on most TNTs. You would have Cleveland playing on, you know, Cleveland-Boston, Cleveland-Philly, Cleveland, you know, somebody. And then you have this great Warriors team that you're, boom, boom, you're getting two powerful draws back-to-back almost every single primetime game that you had for how many years? Four or five? With LeBron, you had him out west, east for 15 years. And now all of a sudden... You have no team in the east that has big enough star draw and your best four teams are pretty much out west they all play at 10 30 at night it's yeah. a big problem no i'm with you I'm, I'm not trying to
2: say that it's not but you know when you think about it, it it's uh, kind of like how you started this it's multi-layered
0: like i feel there is so well, much and involved. Keep in mind like now lebron is out you can't just say all right we'll put the knicks on they can't put the Knicks on. They're so bad. You can't put Chicago on. They're terrible. Sixers might be your best bet in terms of stars with someone like Embiid, That's right? That's why they're on national TV as much as they are. They're trying to get an Eastern Conference team that has some sort of viewing power. Hey, here's your Sports Pass Cash code word for this hour. It's PICNIC. P-I-C-N-I-C. PICNIC. Enter it now on our website, 97.3 esbncom PICNIC is the word. You can win up to 10 thousand dollars we're running out of words we're running out of days the final words friday night at 655 the word is picnic p-i-c-n-i-c enter it now on our website thanks to jersey shore federal credit union in hamilton